What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 58 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe, and what an unbelievable show we are going to have for you guys. And what an unbelievable, unbelievable weekend it is going to be in the world of horse racing, being the Pegasus World Cup weekend as we cover the middle pick four of that sequence with three graded stakes and $100,000, I guess four stakes because the handicaps and Goldstream are still you know, counted as stakes, um, but it's going to be a fantastic card. And um, right here on the HHH Racing Podcast, we are going to have the Pegasus World Cup card covered like a glove, and I'll get into it in a few seconds. But we're going to jump right into it, guys. We're not going to waste any more time, um, any time going through peripherals here. But there are a few things that I have to talk to you guys about. Um, if you didn't see Horsing Around, um, that's a brand new show we come out with every single Monday now at 8 p.m. Eastern, just like the rest of the HHH Racing Podcast shows. Um, for um, There will be one, of course, this weekend, recapping the stakes, recapping the Pegasus World Cup, the turf, and everything above. And, of course, we include a bunch of viewers from you guys. If you guys want to get involved, please email Howard at hkravitzhorse at gmail.com or tune in the show tomorrow and put it in the live chat. We would love to have you guys on to recap some racing and then of course if we cannot forget if you guys are um going to be around watching the pegasus why not do it with us we have a live show for you guys coming for the big races saturday at 4 p.m eastern daylight time that is going to be um a bunch of us not only the Benton and boons and guys but howard pete and paul um all of us most of us will be there so you guys will if you guys again are coming out to watch the pegasus or watching it through your adw why not come watch it with us and you know, talk about who you like for the next the race coming up and everything like that. Please join us Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern right here on the HHH Racing Podcast YouTube channel. If you're more of an audio listener, we will post everything on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Please follow us, rate, review, and subscribe over there. The Power Picks tip sheet, guys, this is a big one. If you guys have not signed up yet, please, I would highly recommend you do. For 500 picks almost, we are way in the green still. Um, two, anything over two dollar ROI is profit. We are we are two twenty two all time as of this, as of my last time checking. But I know we hit a bunch of stuff last week, so it is going to go up, guys. If you're not, and it's only four dollars a weekend, that comes out to fifteen ninety nine a month, which is how Patreon bills it. If you're not in on the most affordable and profitable um, racing tip sheet in the business. You're missing out. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. The link, of course, is in the description. And if you want to find out anything about us or look at previous Power Picks editions before you buy, HHHRacingPodcast.com is the place to do that. But guys, we're in the hot seat, as you can see from the background, as we are going to come on with a lot of good information for you guys coming up with the middle pick for it, Goldstream. And not only that, we are going to give our picks for the Pegasus World Cup turf and the Pegasus World Cup. So please keep those comments coming. I see them in the live chat. We would greatly appreciate it. And Howard says, uh, good, that's a good point. The boss jumps in. It is 4.30 p.m. Eastern, the live show, not 4 p.m. Eastern. That is my mistake. That was a retrospective time, and I didn't see the change. So thank you, Howard. Again, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Please join us on Saturday for our live show but guys we're going to get right into it. i'm going to bring on my co-host right now and we'll get into race number six which is the start of the middle pick four on saturday but from the west coast now at the university of kentucky noah maher and from the midwest now at ohio state university charlie freeman 
Boys, what is going on tonight? My vibes are good right now. I'll tell you that much. Right, now. there's a certain <laughs> program that's in shambles, and it's for once it's not one of mine. So we're we're in a good mood. We're we're in a very good mood right now. And you act like if Harbaugh's gone, you guys won't lose, considering you guys did this year. No, what's going on, my man? Not too much. How are we doing? It's uh, should be a pretty good Saturday. Uh, you guys should definitely uh, come watch it with us uh, on Saturday at four thirty. See, now the other guys are getting into the promos too. This is what I like to hear. But boys, we're not going to waste any more time. Four minutes of promos is too many minutes of promos. So let's go right into it, guys. The late pick five on sat or late uh, middle pick. I'm so used to that's so autopilot. The middle pick four on Saturday for um, Pegasus World Cup Day starts in race number six. It is the La Prevayante Stakes going um, a mile and a half on the turf, and this is the marathon turf as we go through it. And I'll bring up the Equibase in a second here. But Katie is here. Katie, thanks so much for joining the show. Sean Kane, uh, Peg- uh, Jesus, uh, Crown's Way um, supporter himself. Sean, what's going on, man? How you doing? Thanks so much for joining the show. My- Mark is here. Mark's is 83 and sunny on Saturday. Hopefully not in their chalk field Saturday. Hey, speak for yourself, Mark. If you're hitting those doubles with them chalks, you're going to want that chalk. But hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. I really hope that it's a lot more. And it looks a lot more competitive this Saturday. I'll tell you that much. Um, Penn State Scott is, of course, here. Thought Charlie would be at the Chargers presser. I'm sure he will be at some point or tweeting about it. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I'm sure that will come out. Brad Anderson's here. Looking forward. Thanks so much, Brad. Really appreciate you joining in, man. Greatly And Jim is here as well, of course. But let's get right into it, guys. Race number six, as I said, is the La Provoyante Stakes. A mile and a half on the turf draws a field of nine and I will switch over the PPs right now as soon as they come, or the Equibase as soon as it comes up. Field of nine, the morning line favorite is number three, or number one, sorry, Romagna Mead, eight to five, followed really closely behind R. Kelly Kim. I'll talk about my opinion on that in a little bit. The third choice being number six, Sister O'Toole. Guys, I'll switch over to the picks right now. And Patrick did send in his picks. Hopefully he comes on in a few minutes here. He was running a little late, but switch over here. We are all going with the number one Romagna Mia guys. And it's really not, it's not creative by any means, but I'll take, I'll, I'll give him how much, how much I want to take a stand in this race. When I get, when you get to myself, but Noah, since you're right next to me, you'll go first. What, I mean, like I said, she just seems, she looks the best on numbers and looks definitely like the horse to beat. Yeah, she definitely is. Um, you know, she came over from France uh, and ran in the Beverly D and, and ran pretty decently. Uh, finished third behind Feverover and Gina Romantico, came back and won at Keeneland. Um, and then ran a really nice race, uh, popped a 98 uh, in the Dowager at Keeneland. And then and what seems like the prep for this race, which was supposed to be on the turf, but got moved onto the synthetic, uh, she just kind of blew that field away. Um, She's, you know, coming into this spot, uh, I think she's probably the most likely winner on the card, or at least of the races that this podcast is going to cover. Um, the thing with her is her her style is she kind of like moves up progressively in her races. Um, so if there's not, you know, a ton of speed, I don't think that's too much to her disadvantage. Um, that was kind of my thought process. Uh, I'm interested to see what you kind of think, Charlie, if that's kind of what you took into account. 
Yeah, you know, with this one horse, honestly, I'm surprised with the way the morning lines turned out. I, I kind of ex- expected the one to be, you know, around, right around eight to five. But I didn't think anybody was after that going to be lower than, you know, three to one, seven to two, which I know, Noah, when you and I spoke earlier, that's kind of how we both felt. Um, look, I saw this horse in person, and I'll be honest, I was trying to beat Romana Mia on on that day. I, just, I didn't like the value. It was it, on paper, looked like you know, not the hardest field, you know, this field's probably a little more challenging, but still looked like a difficult enough field that you weren't exactly expecting this horse to win by seven lengths. Um, and kind of, you know, as you were just touching on where, I mean, I understand time form shows only 47 early speed, which to me seems a little disrespectful because, you know, as you touched on, as the race kind of progresses, she just keeps moving forward and then goes by, uh, you know, I understand the first debut in the U.S. didn't show that, but, you know, a lot of times these international horses struggle first time out in the U.S. and need some time to get acclimated. And that was also a great one. It's a big ass first time out. But then, you know, second time out, sits three, four lengths off the lead, wins going away this time, even in a colder pace, was able to sit off the lead, but only by a few lengths and win going away. I just envision this happening again. I don't think there's anyone in this field that really scares me. I mean, again, we'll talk about our best bets later, but I would agree. I think this is one of the most likely winners on this card for sure. And then uh, I'll go into the three, uh, the other, you know, presumed heavy hitter. Uh, you know, for me, again, I know we talk about sometimes uh, more so boss men, these ABC grids. And for me, I, I mean, admittedly, I had the three as a lone B. Uh, and again, no, I'm sure I'll let you touch on it in a moment because you also have this three in second. You probably felt similar. Uh, but I just didn't see this horse at nine to five. I mean, look, our Kelly Kim has some solid efforts. Obviously, he's coming off of four straight wins. You know, has kind of been able to deal with some hotter paces, won a grade three last time out, you know, hasn't really done anything wrong. I just, I don't know. For me, when I saw that performance last time out, maybe it's just recency bias and stuck in my head. I just don't think R. Kelly Kim is that close to this one horse. And I'll get into my, you'll see on my picks below, I don't have this horse anywhere. And it could be a little naive of me to toss this horse completely, but you want to talk about a horse that's gotten set up after set up after set up after set up. I mean, Going a mile and a half at Keeneland, 48 and one is pretty damn fast. And this horse obviously did it. Uh, R. Kelly Kim did it very uh, respectively and winning off by two and three quarters. But I mean, is she really going to get that type of setup in here? I mean, there's a decent amount of speed. I'll pull up the time form us so you guys can get a visual of it. And I mean, they have, they have alpha Bella going out and the only other horse is Tass, who has like really any early speed. Other than that, granted, I know it's a mile and a half race, so you can you can argue whether pace makes complete factor in a race like this. But if I want, if Romania Mia is at eight to five and R. Kelly Kim is at nine to five, I'm I'm <laughs> my my wallet could empty before we get to any of the good races. I mean, to, to me, Romania Mia just seems a lot faster with a lot more upside than a horse like R. Kelly Kim does. And I mean, you just see it buyer wise. Obviously, she ran in uh, Italy and France and Qatar. But I mean, these numbers, even this 105 back at Chantilly, where she only was fourth, that's just it. I mean, you give, you know, 15 points from the buyer figure. That's right at R. Kelly Kim's best race. I mean, you know, the time form numbers are a little bit closer. 117 is comparative to 121, which is uh, her best at the Dowager. That was a mile and a half the last race, last time Romania Mia raced on turf. But man, I'm I'm very, very, very interested in Romania Mia. I Noah said it. Noah took the words out of my mouth, and I know we talked earlier. She's my she's my most likely winner on the entire card. And if I mean I could be wrong, but that's I'm going to put my money where my mouth is on Saturday. She's anywhere close 
to that eight to five. But I'll let you guys touch on Noah. Um, Noah, you also you guys also have the six. This will be the last horse we touch on. A uh, horse that I'm also interested in second. This is from yours, uh, from your turf outside out in the West Coast. Um, maybe a one that's also a little bit slower, but last time definitely was up against it and could be one running late. Yeah, the uh, the red carpet last time at Del Mar was definitely a, a race that I'm very familiar with. Um, and she was really the only one in that field that was making up any considerable ground. Um, Linda's Gift and Musical Rhapsody were 1-2 the entire time. And those two were actually just ran 1-2 around the track in the Astra last weekend at Santa Anita. Um, so, I mean, she's she's got some potential. Um, she's got a little bit of a similar style to our Callie Kim, which is – doesn't really do a ton for her in this field. And she is probably a little bit slow, um, but not a bad pick at all. If you're going to toss, you know, a, a horse that's going to be the second choice that you don't really think is deserving. And I mean, I don't disagree with you. And I think I'd be much more interested in a horse like sister O'Toole has shown the pace and granted, I know it's on the West coast and that can be debated till the time is, you know, till time is done. But I, that last race at, um, at Del Mar in the red carpet versus um, where Cistro tool got no setup whatsoever as they went to the half and 51 and three versus um, R Kelly Kim, where they go to the half and 48. I mean, granted, obviously R Kelly Kim ended up winning Cistro tool did not, but I think my point still stands that Cistro tool has been up against it. in a lot of these trips that might muddy up her form a little bit to get, a, you know, basically what's going to be two and a half times the price minimum, if not more, on a horse that's basically the same exact runner, I'd be much more inclined to take Sister O'Toole for Grand Motion. Um, I the last again, the last I've tasked it's a complete pace play. If they go come so slow up front and on the Goldstream turf course, you want to be towards the front. I think Tass is going to be one of those horses that'll stick up there. Obviously, the other horse is going to be the number four Alpha Bella for Pletcher off that last race. She just seems really slow comparatively. Uh, Tass at least had run a uh you know, an 85, which is about on par. They just seem really slow, but just a complete pace play, which is why I threw Tass in there. But we'll move on to race number seven, guys. But I'm going 168, Romania Mia on top, as we all have. Charlie's going 136, Patrick's going 194, Noah's going 136. Guys, gonna move over to race number seven here. And this is the only non-stake race on the entire in the entire sequence that we are covering, but it is still a hundred thousand dollar handicap on the tapita and before we get into this race guys i want to highlight some viewers that popped in the show for the first time and of course we love to highlight not only our returning viewers but may uh also our first time viewers as well chris couples first betting and boozing show that is trust me yeah it's not our first uh bet or booze for that matter but uh chris thanks so much man for joining the show greatly appreciate it and um slaint is also here looking forward to this chat which i just discovered thanks so much guys uh, for joining the show. We are so um, appreciative and welcome, just welcome on in. Like I said, we're just really appreciative you guys are here. Race number seven, guys, like I said, $100,000 handicap going a mile and 70 on the Tapita. Draws a full field of 12 with an also eligible there, Legacy Isle. Morning line favorite is going to be um, a pretty soft one at that. The number, is it really, is it country final? These are the first times a lot of us are seeing these morning mm -hmm. lines because we handicap early. Country final is going to be the morning line favorite at four to one with exact estimate. The Chad Brown runner at nine to two and Skyro, the synthetic specialist for Brian Lynch at five to one guys. I'll switch over the picks right now. As I switch to the PPs, Charlie, you'll go first. 
and you guys you guys both have the Chad Run Chad Runner on top. I have the horse in third. Um, probably the most likely winner, I would argue. But I have a few knocks, but we'll get there. And uh, Charlie, what'd you like most about the number one for Chad? Exact estimate. Yeah, for me, I just I like these last two efforts. I really see a big turnaround and a step forward. You know, this horse was consistently running in like those mid to high 80s, which is good enough to be competitive, but not winning this spot. And then, you know, you see that 75 at Saratoga. And, you know, for me, I feel like that's when you could scratch out. The horse comes back, uh, not off a layoff, but, you know, it's like a few month break, uh, rips off a 93, then after that takes a 95. And for me, you know, when I watched his replays, I mean, exact estimate, you know, two back was very impressive to me because when I watched the replay, it really didn't look like the horse was going to be able to get there in time, but just kept going and just had a really strong late kick that I like. And you guys know me. I always love, uh, well, I guess in this case, exact estimates, not my closers that I love, but still anytime I can get a closer or a stalker with a strong uh, late kick for me, is something I like. Uh, and then, you know, last time out, you know, ran against Mason, uh, ran against Big Everest. Like, it, it was a tough field last time out. I really think that this field is more reasonable than last time. Um, it's probably not a big drop down, but nonetheless, uh, realistic, like how the horse is working. Obviously, getting IRAD aboard again is always nice. Um, and, you know, I saw what Penn State Scott commented, and I completely see where he's coming from. Actually, Noah and I had an extensive talk about this off camera, about how Chad Brown's been struggling. But for me, the way I see it is as someone also who bets Gulfstream a lot and who went to Gulfstream a lot over, you know, winter break, a lot of the horses he's been running have been first-time starters, uh, which, you know, are always going to be kind of wild cards. And, you know, I feel like unless the ones like, you know, Sierra Leone that have already done their, you know, early starts. The ones that are running now aren't exactly, you know, your big derby horses. And then a lot of other ones have been ones that are either in for claim or that are older horses that you can see were on a regression. So uh, I don't really think that they should have had the expectations they had, but rather got bet down anyway because it's Chad Brown. I feel like this is obviously you know, one of the biggest days for Gulfstream. Chad Brown's got all of his, a lot of serious horses here. For me, I'm not afraid at all to be betting Chad Brown. I feel like on these kind of days is when he shows up the most. And it's the days like this that people tend to bet him on any other day. And he hasn't really been able to come through. I think exact estimates, the horse to beat. You know, for the other horses like Skyro and uh, County File that were the ones that are the two main favorites. You know, again, saw these horses in the race where my horse, me and Mr. C, got robbed of a victory by Fly the W. And I just wasn't impressed with that race, to be honest. So for me, I'm, I'm fading any horse that was in that race. No interest at all. Rather try to go for a new face and uh, look for some other prices underneath. Noah, you also have exact estimate on top, and you are um, you're a little different than a lot of us. Obviously, you have um, a horse that we'll talk about um, that we, none of us have the four, and then county final. But if Charlie didn't touch on anything with his exact estimate, go ahead, and then we'll move into your bottom two. No, he, he pretty much had everything that I was going to say. Uh, if if you scratch that race over the summer at Saratoga, you just see a a horse that, that keeps improving, uh, newly turned five-year-old. Um, I think last time uh, in the Artie Schiller, Big Everest, I don't think anybody was getting Big Everest that day. So the fact that exact estimate ran uh, a, a really nice second uh, has to be respected. And I just see the trip working out really well uh, for this Chad Brown horse. Um, and I, I ended up going with the four Dreams of Tomorrow. Um, horse might be a little slow um, and – uh, on first glance, I wasn't a huge fan of that uh, of that uh, handicap race on the synthetic. Yep. Uh, but I ended up throwing two of those horses in that race in my top three. So that just tells you the confidence level that I have in this race. Um, going back to Dreams of Tomorrow, uh, just you know, one of the horses uh, when I watched that race that I, I kind of preferred 
Uh, she was, or yeah, uh, he, sorry, he was a little uh, further back. Than, beers, everybody. Uh, I thought he was a little further back than he wanted to be. Uh, while a couple others like County Final and Skyro got some pretty damn good trips. Um, and I'll play the also wide. to see right now. Yeah, there's four horses running out of this race. County Final, who's the six uh, in today's race or in the race we're covering, but four right here. Dreams of Tomorrow is the 11. Saratoga Flash is the two and Skyro is the six in this field. Um, and I mean, you're touching on it and I, funny enough, I almost put dreams of tomorrow in my, um, uh, as well. I almost threw out the, the chat entirely, but I feel like that was one of the chats that I have entirely. I just feel like that was a little bit naive. I mean, granted, I know Chad Brown hasn't won a single race this Gulfstream meet, but it's still Chad Brown. So, and he's bringing his best runners to Saturday, but going back to this race, you will point out, I'll go to the top of the stretch here. There's one horse that's going to swing parking lot wide, and that is the horse mm-hmm. you have here in the number f- number 11 in this race, but the number four in the race we're covering, James, of tomorrow. Yeah, well, the uh, the four in the replay is County Final, who got a pretty good trip, who I thought probably won, ran one of the better races. That's why I have the horse in third. Uh, Dreams of Tomorrow is 11, who is a little wide, but still kind of coming at the end. And then Skyro was the six, who I, got, I thought got a dream trip of all dream trips and didn't have anything, so I've Personally, I'm a little bit uh, against Skyro, and it looks like everybody else's because I don't see, I don't see the set that is it the nine? Oh, yeah, yeah. Patrick's, Patrick's got the nine. Patrick's got the nine and second, yeah. but um, I, I, I mean, Skyro has some races that need to be respected, i.e., that lat that um two back handicap at Goldstream, but that's two to your point. No, I agree with you. That's two perfect setups for Skyro, and the fact he got it done once, and then. The good, better horses come over now for the championship meet and doesn't get blasted out of the water by any means. Still only lost by two and a quarter, but just wasn't up to snuff uh, per se. So Skyro is going to be off my um, ticket as well. He'll have to beat me with probably another perfect trip. But guys, I went off the board here. I went with the 12 to one horse on top, the number five, Ocean Atlantique. And I'm going to I'm going to try and play the bosses. Uh, Noah and I talked about this, actually, uh, the zero buyer angle almost where this horse ran on synthetic last time at Turfway and just was really bad. Like, um, but I feel like, I feel like he has some excuses here. Um, Ocean Atlantique the last time, this horse is usually more of a mid pack, not necessarily a plotting type, but he likes to be um, raiding off horses in a little bit, you know, in the mid pack on the inside. Last time he was up on the pace, a couple close to the pace. He chased all the way around, and that's not what this horse wants to do. This horse has good numbers on the synthetic before this 99 at Turfway in this in the um, early spring, late winter last uh, of last year. Easily fits in this race, and that was when he liked to go to the lead. Now you see his best races have been rating off this speed, especially this 97 at Churchill going a mile on the turf. I just think this horse can trip out in a spot like this. And in a race that's completely wide open, I mean, this horse is going to be double-digit odds versus a lot of these horses that are going to get the same trips with the same numbers, and they're going to be five times less of a price. I just really think Ocean Atlantique um, has one muddied-up form in the fact that people are going to look at this 45 on the synthetic and be like, oh, this horse isn't a synthetic type. But you can look back. This horse easily can run this back on the synthetic especially after these numbers on the turf. Again, trip, uh, muddied up form, the price. I just love everything 
about Ocean Atlantique. And again, he might not win, but I'm still expecting him to run a really nice race at, at really nice odds on Saturday. Um, boys, we're going to move on here. Um, Ocean Vision is a horse that Charlie has in second. Um, again, a little slow, but these races uh, back in France definitely can fit. He just has to be able to quicken up, and Gustavo Delgado hasn't won uh, this, this meet. He's only had three-thirds. Um, but still ran a really nice race in the Hall of Fame uh, behind Carl Spackler and more than looks the two very, very nice horses for Sharita Vo and Chad Brown. So that's definitely a horse you have to. There's just a lot of horses in this race you have to respect. Like this, this out of all the all, I said last race, that race is the most likely winner on the entire card. This race, who the F knows? Everything can happen <laughs> for lack of a better term. So um, and like I said, I'm going to take a stand here and I'm going to try and go. 12 to one on top and the boss. And when the boss agrees, people, you love to listen. But anyway, I'm going five, eight, one. Charlie's going one, eight, two. Patrick's going seven, nine, one. Noah's going one, four, six guys going to switch over to race. Number eight here. It's the Willie McKnight or the, the WL McKnight. Excuse me. I don't know. I said the Willie McKnight either way. The, 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 Oh no, the Willie McKnight. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Um, William L McKnight going a mile and a half on the turf. Um, a grade three draws a full field of 12 with four also eligibles. And I'll bring on the, I'll bring on Equibase right now. Morning line favorite is the Chad Brown on the inside. Francesco Clement um, written by Irad at two to one. Second choice is the number three stone age for Ryan Moore and Chad Brown. Ryan Moore jumps on stone age after coming over to ride warm hearts in the Pegasus turf, which you guys will see tomorrow at, 8 p.m. Eastern on Picks and Ponies. But then the third choice is going to be the number seven for Stappen for Detori, who climbs aboard for Brendan Walsh, guys. And I'll bring on the picks right now before we move in. And I will um, – I'll bring on the picks. Uh-oh, I guess we're hosting now. <laughs> the internet goes out, people. I love that. It's so much fun. Sorry about that. I, we were ready to host. I, 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 I believe it. You guys were right in the biz. And like I said, my bad, guys. The internet came out there for a second. Either way, I'm going with the number seven for stopping on top. Hopefully he drives like or runs like Mac Verstappen drives. That would be fantastic. Francesco Clement, Charlie has on top. And the number two, Noah. And that's not a typo, people. Noah's going and Noah's going to go first here. The 20 to one number two Marwad Noah has on top. And I'm very interested to hear what Noah likes about the 20 to one Marwad. Yeah, when I when I first saw the morning lines, I was actually very surprised that this horse was 20 to one. Um, and I was also very surprised at many other morning lines, but I don't need to get into that right now. Um, but with Marwad, I just I just see some form that's kind of dirtied up. Um I think his best races are going long at Goldstream. You, you go back to uh, about pretty much a year ago, uh, won the optional 62, uh, going a mile and three eights here at Goldstream, and then came back in, in that grade two, going the same distance and ran a really nice second to Value Engineering, who's unfortunately not quite the same horse this year. Um, but uh, I just, you know, I, I think there are some excuses there that that you don't really see on paper. I think he was... I think he was too far back in the Red Smith, and that was a pretty good field. Um, I think the mile and eighth in the Fort Lauderdale is too short for him. Um, and you're you're gonna get w- with such a wide open race, you're gonna get horses 
you know, with with very well known connections that are just going to get bet because people know who they are. Um, I mean, David Egan and Nader Mubarak, if I even pronounce that right. I mean, those are some of the Mubarak, most but, yeah. but whatever, some of the most <laughs> less known guys uh, in, in any horse racing circuit. Um, so I just think, you know, there's some numbers that fit and you're going to you're going to get a, a, at least somewhat of a price. I think it, it'll probably be more like 12, maybe 15. Um, but in a, in a field where I don't really have a ton of strong opinions, um, and, and you know, there's on a day like this, there's going to be at least one race where you're, you're going to get a price to come home and, and maybe this is the one. And look, you know, David Egan, people that don't know is a, is a guy that came over from, uh, England to ride this year in the state or ride this winter in the States. And he doesn't get enough rides, but he's a very, very good rider um coming over here and look this horse may just be a little slow numbers wise but if he runs back to the Goldstream race as noah pointed out you want a horse for course going long at Goldstream. marwad might be the one and at a really nice price of course at 20 to 1 morning line you're going to get um you're, you're gonna get a really nice um really nice odds on this horse it just matters of can he run back to this 98 and that's going to be the question in not only noah's mind but of course everyone's mind but again numbers fit charlie i'll go to you next you have the favorite on top the number one francesco clement in this last race the hollywood turf cup albeit with the setup has to be taken into account he broke a little slow was far back and made up a lot of ground late Look, he ran huge in both of his last two races. The reality is, as you touched on, same thing happened in both races. He, he didn't break well at all and then comes flying late and makes that recovery. For me, that's just what really stood out. I, I Again, I understand that I'm kind of a sucker at times for horses that can show that late kick. But when I was just going through all the possible contenders in this field, there's just no horse like Francesco Clemente. I mean, like the, the way this horse is able to kick on late is just unmatched for this field. I truly just feel... I don't even know if the horse needs to break because the horse hasn't been able to. I just think as long as Irad can navigate a trip as he, as he has done, uh, as he did two back when he got to ride this horse, I, I don't see how this horse doesn't win. I mean, for me, again, you know, we've talked about these are some stacked cards with a lot of horses, a lot of very respectable, solid horses in these fields. But for me, this is another one where I'm like, this to me feels like one of the more likely winners. I understand there's a lot of solid competition. There's, you know, Noah touched on a double digit on horse. I know for me, I have another horse that's double digits that I think actually someone in the chat just mentioned that I think will be interested in this uh, spot as well. But I just feel like the one hasn't really taken a wrong step and really just other than breaking bad is to me, look like the horse to beat in this field. And again, I know the Chad Brown knock, but look, he's, there's a reason I ran on one of the biggest days at Gulfstream where this is the track he dominates is continuously linking up with Chad Brown. It's because he knows that Chad's sending oh. his actual legit best horses here. And I just think this one will be too tough to beat. Now, I'll let you touch more on the seven versus happen in a moment. Uh, I know you kind of did earlier. That's who I'm kind of going with underneath. I think Verstappen's an incredibly talented horse. And look, by no means, if anyone wants to come at me with allegations, I didn't put this horse underneath because the horse ran against me and Mr. C and I'm trying to build a resume. Uh, the reason I have Verstappen in second is the reality is, and I'm happy, I, I think all of us have this horse in the top three if I had looked correctly, which makes sense because that's all Verstappen does. This horse just loves finishing somewhere in the money. I mean, you look lifetime-wise, 12 out of 17 starts, Verstappen is, is top three. I mean, the horse is ultra-consistent. The figures certainly fit. My only concern is... Whenever this horse is in the big races, he always just just misses, you know, whether it's a length, 
half a length, two lengths is always right there. And I think Verstappen will be right there. I think the trip could work out perfectly. I feel like this could be one of those races where it looks like Verstappen's golden is going to get the win. Uh, and then, you know, ends up just getting caught late by my one. Uh, and then I'll touch on my third pick, the nine, real quick, Grant Sonata, just because someone mentioned it. Yeah, I think Grant Sonata a lot of love for Grant Sonata in the It's a very talented horse. This was a horse I was on when I was at Gulfstream that day. I think the distance was just, you know, too short at a mile and an eighth. I think getting this extra distance, assuming, obviously, Grant Sonata runs in this race. I know the horse is also entered uh, for a big race later on. Um, but I think the added distance is huge. The horse is running ultra consistent. I like Gaffleon getting aboard again. And, uh, you know, another horse in this race who I have a bone to, uh, bone to pick with, you know, Stone Age really messed me up in that race. The horse completely checked Jerry the Nipper, who then checked uh, Grant Sonata, who then just had too much left to do. I think this horse with the added distance and a cleaner trip, it's very dangerous at a price. Yeah, and 10 to 1. And there is, obviously, um, there has been reported scratches. Thank you, Jim, for putting it in the chat. Um, there are a lot of cross entries that I also wanted to point it out after the guys were done talking. So um, the number six, Palazzi from Mark Cassie is entered at uh, Sam Houston on Saturday. The number nine, Grand Sonata is also entered in the turf, but I think they'll most likely run in here. But of course, don't quote me on that. Anglophiles also entered into the turf. Um, I believe he's an AE, though, if I remember correctly. And Red Run is also entered at Sam Houston for Mike Maker. So there's just a lot of um cross entries that you guys have to be wary of and just obviously keep an eye on the scratches come race day. But Grand Sonata is definitely not impossible by any means. And this is one at 10 to 1 that could be surprising. How often do you see Gaffleone ride for Pletcher? It's not very often. I think it's a lot of goal stream, but this is a horse that I would definitely have on my tickets, especially if it's gonna if he's gonna go off at a price of 10 to one or higher. I'm not, I mean, maybe he won't just, I think this might be the buzz horse of the race going off somewhere in the six, seven, eight to one range, but Grant Sonata is definitely not to be taken lightly in this race. And this is a horse that I've been, I've been against a lot. Um, inverse stop and who I have on top. Brennan Walsh, of course, is one for 29, but Declan Cannon is a great rider in his own right. But the fact that Frankie is coming over and Frankie gets on this horse makes me think that this horse is going to be ready to go. I mean, 95, 97, 98 buyers his last three going long. Obviously, the I mean, the worst winning margin in the last four is at Kentucky Downs. And we all know um, they either love it or hate it at Kentucky Downs. That Bowling Green at Saratoga was good behind Channel Maker. Um, the was a little bit against it in the J.B. Schuster Memorial when we were when I was there at Indiana that day. I actually had Verstappen on top that day and have been against him ever since realistically speaking but that was the day me and mr c one that charlie uh continues to talk about to this day but that last race um at aqueduct was really good and getting beat by a solid horse and masterpiece and soldier rising soldier rising the best horse in the world to never win anything um but masterpiece is of course going in the turf which is obviously later on this card I just think Verstappen really classes up in this field and now picks up the Tory who's seen, who's going to be close up, going to get first run on a lot of these closers. And I think the mile and a half is his best, um, his best distance. I'm going to, I'm going to be very interested at Verstappen, especially if he hangs anywhere near that nine to two range. I think that nine to two range is very appealing versus a horse like the one Francesco Clement, who might just be better, but two to one is not where I'm willing to, to bet that horse but guys like i said there's just so many different ways you can go in these races Celis is a horse that i have in third 
just numbers alone, a horse that's going to be up a little bit up closer, that's going to get uh, a little bit of pace help because I'll show the time form PPs. This is another race that doesn't show, and I understand it's mile and a half, but Celis projects to be on the lead. And if he can get away with soft fractions on a turf course that's not very friendly to horses coming from behind, I want to have a horse, the best speed on my ticket. So Celest, I'm going to have in third. But again, another wide open, great competitive race on Goldstream. I add Goldstream on Saturday. I'm going seven one eight. Charlie's going one seven nine. Patrick's going nine one seven, and Noah's going two seven one. But re- actually, real quick before we move on, guys, I want to touch on Stone Age because Howard is very and he loves a horse in here, a horse he's been against. Today is finally the day for Stone Age, and they, he brings up a really good point. Gets back to Fern Turf. There's no world beaters in a field like this. Stone Age is the horse that came over to. And I agree with Howard on this. He came over to the U.S. to try and find firm turf. You can see, even in the races overseas, uh, good soft, not good, not good. Runs on firm, obviously, the like firm turf at Keeneland, second behind Rebels Romance at Saratoga. Granted, fifth and third, but not losing by a lot at all. His best numbers are definitely on firmer turf. So if Stone Age can finally get the, the turf he desires, gets Ryan Moore back aboard. It's it. I agree with the boss, man. It's either now or never for Stone Age. So that's definitely one. I this is definitely a spread race for me, guys. This is not going to be where I'm going to be skinny. If if I was playing this pick for which I might on Saturday, being that I have a really strong opinion in the sixth race and I can afford to spread elsewhere. But the race eight, the WL McKnight is very interesting. We'll move on, guys. To the last race here is race number nine. And as I'll bring up the Equibase right now, it is the inside information stakes presented by my best friend, Don Julio Tequila. Right, uh, full field of 10. The morning line favorite is the Goldstream legend. The number nine, Mary Quite Contrary, Luca Panici, Edward Pliza. Number three, Inte- Intrepid Daydream, the Maryland bred for Safi Joseph Jr. and Tyler Gaffleone jumps aboard. Third choice is the number 10, Olivia Darling. Shout out, Matt Miller. For Irad and Jorge Delgado, guys, I will switch over the picks right now for the last race we are covering. Not in full, of course, we're going to give our picks for the turf and the World Cup. But in full, this is the last race we're going to cover for our sequence. And you'll see the picks on the bottom right now. Every single one, except for me, is going with the Goldstream World Beater. And guys, look, it's no, it is no secret to how good Mary Quike and Cherry has been on Goldstream. I'll show the PPs. Charlie, I'll let you talk first as well. And I'm going to take a little bit of your thunder, I think. But this, I mean, this running line right here is what a lot of people are going to key in on on Saturday. Yeah, you know, for me, again, I actually, it's funny. When I uh, was at Goldstream with Bossman on that day, I was rushing to have to bet that race. And I just straight up asked him because I didn't have time to look at the program and I wanted to go in the winner's circle with him. I asked him who to take and he said, you don't even have to look at it. Just trust me, Mary, quite contrary owns this track and will win. I was like, all right, just blindly bet the horse to win, watched it from the winner's circle. And even though the pace was slow, it wasn't what the horse wanted, didn't get an easy trip at all, still was able to just go right by and rally, was much the best, even though the horse only won by a length, would have been a lot more with an easier uh, you know, pace set up and trip. Uh, look, Luca Panici rides again. Uh, th- these two always seem to kind of hook up well together. Uh, I just think she's clearly the horse to beat here. Uh, look, there, there's other contenders that uh, I'll touch on as well, but the horse loves the track. I, I'm not worried about, uh, you know, the distance with seven furlongs. I know last time obviously was a mile, but you can see this horse actually normally would run seven furlongs more so than a mile and has co- time and time again gotten the job done. 
loves the track. I mean, look, out of nine efforts here, seven wins, two seconds. I mean, if there's any horse for course that we've covered in the sequence, this is truly the one. So I feel like the nine is clearly the horse to beat and is a deserved favorite here. Uh, again, I'd say one of the more easier favorites to trust. And like you kind of touched on the last race, even though I love the one, it is still a tough field. Uh, and then going into my other two real quick, um, Intrepid Daydream ran really well last time out of Gulfstream. Uh, again, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but look, this is when I was on winter break. I was going to Gulfstream whenever I could. Uh, was on this horse that day as well. Uh, I know not creative at this favorite, but ran really well. Just couldn't quite get it done. Spirit win ultimately was just able to, you know, get on the lead and not look back. Uh, but was right there. Gets Gaffrion again. Made a very good effort in Gulfstream. First time thereafter, you know, mainly being a Laurel Park horse. Uh, with Safi, I know we kind of touched on before Safi's, uh, you know, struggles when we did our recorded episode on these big days at Gulfstream. But I think certainly could be an interesting horse underneath. And, you know, if the pace sets up correctly and it isn't that fast, could end up being one that gets the first jump in Winsfield. And then I'm actually surprised, though. This is the one I'm curious to hear from you on. This was a horse I was all over and completely wrong on. The one horse, Bluefield, uh, you know, who I liked as a horse off the pace. And there was no pace to close into. Uh, and the horse did nothing. But for me, I'm curious if you have the same kind of angle. I just like the distance going back to seven furlongs. I think that's what Bluefield needs. I like Pratt aboard. And uh, for a little more of a value play, I think this horse could be sneaky if the pace is there. Yeah, for me, I I I was really not super impressed with the sugar swirl, which I was I was a little bit in between whether I wanted to put in, Intrepid Daydream or uh, Mary Quite Contrary on top. That's why I, I lean uh, towards putting Mary uh, as a horse on top. Um, but I think there's a lot, there's a ton more speed in this race than there was in that sugar swirl. Um, I think I think she's going to get a really good setup. I mean, I I, I Intrepid Daydreams. I mean. Definitely very fast. I feel like there's a couple of horses in here that kind of need the lead. Music City Star, uh, who's a new acquisition for uh, Jen Antonucci's got to go. And then you got Sassy Nature, who's a California horse as well, who cannot get the cannot get the distance this day. Um, and Gerrymander's fast as well. Um, so I think there's there's going to be enough speed to set it up for her. Um, if you, if you go, uh, as we'll talk about later with our best bets, um, I could have just used three and the nine and kind of moved on. Um, but I think the one's a little interesting. Um, so I, I really wouldn't be shocked. And, and I think you're probably going to get a pretty good price just because, you know, people are going to say, you know, she's a little slow. She's eight. Maybe she's, maybe she, you know, wants to be a mama. Um, but you get Pratt, I think she's going to get a setup. Um, that's kind of what I'm feeling. And look, she might easily she might get the setup in this race. I don't know if there's an, there's a lot of speed in this race by any means, but there's definitely more. There's definitely a little more than there was last time. Although, guys, they did go forty five and one to the half mile, so it's not like there was no speed on by any means. Bluefield, if Bluefield was good, and for me, if Bluefield was good enough, she would have gone by that field. Um, she does get the extra furlong, which I think might help a horse like Bluefield. Um, Safi is part of the 0 for 120 club, as we touched on in our Pegasus Philly and Mare uh, breakdown. If you guys did not watch that video, please, after this stream, go to um, go on the channel and look at our most recent upload, which is a tape show that we did on the covering the Philly and Mare turf breakdown, breaking down every single horse in that race. Go and watch that if you haven't already after the stream. But Bluefield's definitely interesting. I think we'll need to improve just a little bit. Intrepid Daydream looks to sit a nice trip um, for Gaffleon and Joseph, but I just, I don't, I don't know, guys. I mean, 91 is what she's topped out at, and she could improve a little bit. She is only five and just running her best races. So Intrepid Daydream is definitely one you need to have 
I went with the number 10, guys, Olivia Darling. And I could be completely wrong. I will preface this. This is my softest pick of our entire sequence. But what I will say, I love that this horse has speed, is finally running her best races, running her best stride. Um, I just The one thing that scares me is distance. I love that Irad jumps back on this horse as well. I just don't know if she's 100% ready for the seven. And you can see her going back, her Goldstream seven, she kind of um, kind of crapped out at the end, lost by six. Last time she was at seven was at Tampa. She did only get she did get second, but lost by four and a quarter. So the seven is the one thing that scares me a little bit with this horse, but I just love the trip she's going to sit, guys. Irad's going to have her in the two path, just behind the speed. And if they do end up going 45 and one, 45 and two to the half mile. Olivia Darling is going to get first run on a lot of these horses. And I like her better than Intrepid Daydream. And like I said, I could be completely wrong in that. Um, but I just like that she's going to have first run on a lot of the other horses that are going to be favorite a lot, uh, a lot lower price than her, i.e. Mary quite contrary, but she's definitely the horse to be in this race. I don't need to touch on anything. Uh, one thing that uh, one interesting comment Mark brings up is can the seven wear this field if left alone? Um, You'll see, and this is the horse, Noah, I'll bring this to you, man, because this is the horse we talked about. Um, this was a, a Doug O'Neill horse on the West Coast, but wasn't racing on the West Coast under Doug O'Neill. Actually stayed in Kentucky after being sw switched over in uh, uh, late 2023 to Doug O'Neill. Now comes to Jack Sisterson's barn. I mean, this horse is definitely fast out of the gate, but... I mean, she's going to have to come up with a monster dirt effort for a horse that's run 90% of her buyer tops on turf. Um, I, I would, I would say that she can't, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think she was kind of struggling to get five and five and a half. Um, you could make the case that, uh, well, Mendez was the, was the one who started with her. Right. Uh, you can make the case that, uh, he kind of thought that she was a little more dirt meant and then. But I mean, she switched to the turf and she loved it, and she hasn't she hasn't gone back to the dirt since. So, Which, it's actually, it's definitely a yeah. Sorry, it's, well, it's, it's just definitely a strange move. Um, well, if if there was nobody else in the race that really would even press her a little bit, you could maybe make the case. But I just don't see it. Yeah, and I mean, look, this is it's actually interesting because it came off of Mendez in early 2023 for this Goldstream for going to Goldstream for Jack Sisterson. So they played this move before. It's just a really weird move to me of going to the, from turf to dirt and you're getting Oshin Murphy on. I just feel, I mean, this horse can definitely wire the field if left alone. I just don't think she, I don't think she will get left alone. And that's my kind of trepidation with this horse. I just think there's other speed and I would much prefer the stalkers coming right behind her rather than um, her. But again, there's a, this, these days are so competitive at Goldstream. It's just fantastic. And Shadi, you did finally catch it live. Thanks so much for joining the show. I greatly appreciate it. Um, and like I said, you know, we really appreciate you guys. There's been a, there's been great viewership all night long, and we can only thank you guys for that. Um, you know, this is an experiment, as we touch on always uh, earlier in the year, but now, you know, we've really picked it up. So we really appreciate you guys watching. We're going to get into best bets here, guys. Then we're going to touch on a little bit about the NFL uh, championship round that comes up this Saturday. But um, And then we'll end the show aiming for an hour, guys. So if you guys can please hang on, we'd greatly appreciate it. But right now is what everyone 
wants. Noah, I'll go to you first because you're actually giving out a pick three here. You're going to go pick three starting in race six. So you're going to single Romagna Mia, as you'll see, is a pretty common theme uh, going forward in these best bets. Um, the In the La Proviante, then going completely spread, which is the synthetic uh, handicap with six horses. You're going one with one, four, five, six, eight, twelve. And then in the WL McKnight, you're going one, two, seven. Noah, talk about your pick three. Yeah, it's it's nothing special. Um, you know, the the reminding me in the in the first leg, I think it's gonna probably be pretty tough. Uh, and then in the second leg, the the synthetic race, I really have no idea. Um, I've got I've got probably quite a few, at least half a field in there. Uh, and then in the third race, um, or in the third leg, sorry. Um, I've got the the one who's I read in Chad, and I've got Verstappen, and then I've got Marwat in there. I, I think he's a little interesting, um, but you know I, I'm going to play this pick three, hoping that I can, you know, maybe cash a little bit and and build some bankroll so I can I can play that pick five that the the boys on picks and ponies are going to cover tomorrow night. That's right, Charlie. Good luck with your best bets. And of course, guys, I forgot to mention, don't go anywhere because we are going to give our picks for the turf and the. Pegasus World Cup. We're not going to dive deep into them like we did for the middle pick four, but we are going to cover them. Um, if you want full in-depth analysis, like I said, check out Picks and Ponies tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Excuse me. The beer's coming. Uh, but either way, Charlie, talk about your best bets. Race number six, singling Romagna Mia again, but you're going to go pretty skinny in the race. Uh, in race number seven, the synthetic handicap, going with the number one exact estimate and the number eight portfolio company, the two Chads. Hopefully Chad can get off the block for you on that. And then you're going to stone cold, ice cold, going Francesco Clement into the number um, into the number nine in Mary Quite Contrary. Uh, talk about your best bets, Charlie. Yeah, so I'll start with the boring one first, the double race eight and nine. Look, again, for me, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, as long as the one horse can get even a decent break, and if not, if Irad can still, you know, save up that ground like he did two back and get the trip, I really do think uh, the horse is the one to beat. And then we talked about Mary quite contrary uh, for a while. You know, the course owns Gulfstream. So I guess for me, I understand that it was chalk, but as Kyle touched on, you know, I didn't know how short of a price it would be. Uh, when we made these picks, the odds weren't out. But as you also touched on at the very beginning of the show, if those even paying attention from, uh, you know, from gate to wire, uh, he had uh, mentioned, uh, you know, the importance with doubles that if you play with chalk, that's how you get your value. And then in the race before that, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk much about uh, Romagna Mia because we've already touched on it. Uh, and then, yeah, talked plenty already, you know, about exact estimate. I, I, I really do think this horse is going to be very live here and it's put up two straight great races. And I think Chad Brown's going to have a big day. Uh, you know, on the days that matter most. And then for Portfolio Company, you know, a horse you and I both had, Kyle, in our top three, but didn't touch on. For me, if you look at the figures and you look at the efforts, you touched on this, I forgot for which horse, but it, you touched on for one of the horses that, you know, a lot of times they either like or hate uh, Kentucky Downs. And that's how I see it with Portfolio Company. There were consistently figures in the high 90s and your, or mid-90s, and you're getting eight to one on a horse that I think is very live with Gap Leone aboard. Uh, the only real effort, and it still wasn't terrible, it was an 89, which is fine, but that was at Kentucky Downs. I watched that replay. I mean, there weren't really any excuses. I just don't think the horse took very well to the track, to be honest. I think much more prefers to be at, you know, more typical tracks like Gulfstream, Belmont, Saratoga. So I like the horse getting back on the surface. And, you know, I think with either of those, the one I understand Romagna Mia is going to be a heavy favor, but paying in, playing into 9-2 to two or 8-1 to one would certainly make you your money. Yeah, absolutely, and that's um, and I can that you are right. We didn't talk about portfolio company, but that's one I'm very interested in at a price for Chad, especially at least underneath guys, because 
like I said, her best rate or yeah, her best races were completely before that um that Kentucky Downs race. And the fact that she's coming back now, um, that the lure was very, very strong and came back to be very strong. And both those races at Belmont were good as well. So Portfolio Company is definitely the other Chad, as we say, in that race that definitely is warranted of a look. Charlie, good luck with your best bets, guys. And this is what I'm going to do here. Um, I was, I'm was, i debating. I'm going to use Ocean Atlantique as well as one of my best bets, guys. That 12 to 1 price just really speaks. And I really like that pick. Might not be 12 to 1 in a day, but obviously we can hope and pray. But I'm going race number five, guys. A race we did not talk about. It's an optional claiming 62 going a mile on the turf. And I know there's a very short run up, which is why I'm a little bit shady of the 11. Uh, Ice talk a lot for Mark Cassie and Irad, but guys, those races, man, the four-star Dave losing to Casa Creed in Annapolis just by one and a quarter. Uh, The the Arctic losing the big invasion uh, going six at Woodbine, which is a weird um, configuration that could play towards a mile. Just Ice talk a lot looks very good. If Irad can get her to sit, in a race with a lot of speed. I'm very interested in her as well as the number four whisper, not an eight to one morning line horse from maker and size for paradise farms. Just another one that's going to take advantage of that pace pressure. I'm very interested. I'm, I much prefer going race five to race six rather than going Romagna Mia into that uh, synthetic handicap. I just don't feel that strong about it. I know ocean Atlantic who I talked about, but I feel much stronger coming from turf to um, from the turf to the turf rather than turf to the second. And that's just my personal betting opinion. But again, you can take it whichever way you do. I love, like I said, Ocean to Atlantique in the race seven at 12 to one. And in race number seven, guys, I really think this is for stopping's time. Um, going along on the turf, Stone Age could be it. You know, the number one, Francesco Clement could be the goods. But I think with Frankie up, getting a little bit um, – of an upgrade there. Not saying Declan Cannon's bad by any means, but you're getting one of the best jockeys ever to run in Frankie the Tory. Just buyers going steadily up every single race. If he runs finally that low hundreds that Verstappen's capable of, I think he gets the job done at Gulfstream in a course where you want to be a little bit f- closer up. So I'm going to go race number eight, win on the number seven for stopping. And guys don't go anywhere because this is the part of the show that, Really, a lot of people want to hear race number 12 and race number 13. We're not diving deep. Like I said, if you want that, tune in tomorrow to the HHA's Racing Podcast, where they will cover um, a very, very deep dive into the late pick five on Pegasus Day. But race number 12, we're going to give our picks for the turf and the Pegasus World Cup. And then we are going to talk about NFL for a quick five to eight minutes. But Noah, I'll go to you first. Again, you can give a brief synopsis. It's not like you just have to give numbers. You can give a brief synopsis on why you like horse. But would you like? Who'd you like in the Pegasus World Cup turf? Um, so my top three in the turf. Um, I've got the three integration on top. I, I think he's the real deal. Um, I've got Warm Harmon second, um, who is also the real deal. I mean, she's super talented. I loved her. I, I can speak for Charlie as well. We loved her in the in the Philly Mare turf. Um, and then I've got, uh, Jerry, the nipper in third, uh, is it probably the horse that I want out of the Fort Lauderdale. Charlie, I'll go to you next. Um, you know, warm heart is in this race. Let's not forget, you know, um, she's going to be a heavy favorite. Um, 
but that last time form rating, guys, I'll I can show it if you want. But um, one thirty is the last time form, and she looks very good. But Charlie, who'd you like in the Pegasus World Cup tournament? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't make my little bio thing under my name. Warm heart is her to not pick the damn horse. So, I mean, look, Noah and I, we spent all of our time doing our classic, you know, late night drinking Dr. Pepper talks and early morning in the hot tubs talking all about how this horse was going to shock everybody, not shock, but, you know, surprise people and beat Inspiral and get the job done. And the horse really should have, you know, I remember we talked about like the race recapping it about how, you know, Inspiral was able to get going before Warm, even though Warmheart was farther ahead, you know, she wasn't able to actually start getting underway before Inspiral was already flying. I think Warmheart is very clearly the horse to beat. I'll go ahead and even say it. I think Warmheart is the most likely winner on the entire card. And I understand Romagna Mia makes sense, whatever. Oh, but I, we talk about, you know, standing on business off screen and I'm standing on it for I, I love that Ryan Moore is aboard. Love this horse. She's ultra, ultra talented. The most talented horse on the entire card, period, across any race. I'll take pound for pound this horse over anyone. Uh, so that's me and my top pick. Uh, and then underneath, I mean, I, got, I, I look, Noah and I talked about this. I ended up going back to watch the replays. I get it. Integration looks the part. Tyler G aboard, my boy. Got to put the horse second. I, I can't have the horse nowhere. Uh, and then third, and I'm going to also touch on one other horse because Noah mentioned it. Third, I have Web Slinger, and fourth, I have Jerry the Nipper. Two long shots that I absolutely love. You know, two of my favorite horses. Web Slinger broke my heart when we were in California because I missed out on hitting a massive uh, exact the box, had the horse come in. But I still think Web Slinger's always in and around there every single race. I trust the horse to be right there again. And at 15 to 1, to me, I don't think you're getting anywhere near 15 to one. Maybe I'm missing something, but I think those odds are absurd. Uh, and then Jerry, the nipper as Noah touched on, just got a brutal trip. Stone age went out of literally tried to sacrifice Jerry, the nipper and just take the horse out completely. I, I'm still convinced stone age had a hit on the horse. Maybe they have some beef in the stables behind the scenes that we don't know about, but com completely compromised the race. I think as Noah touched on, this horse could run huge, clearly the one with the most excuses out of the Fort Lauderdale with a cleaner trip at 20 to one. That's offensive to me as a Jerry, the nipper stand. Said so Jerry, you're just a stand on whatever horse is either wins you money or is very close to winning you money that yep. you were almost yep. right on. Um, either way, guys, um, I'm going warm heart as well. Um, in spiral was one of my picks of the weekend, Breeders' Cup weekend. If you remember that, um, she came home in 21 and four, guys, in that race at Santa Anita. That is unbelievable. Wormhard coming in, you know, just a little bit at 22 and two for that final quarter at Santa Anita. So, and like I said, she got a 130 time form rating, guys. If she runs back anywhere near there, she's going to beat this field. And integration can continue to improve. But if Wormhart really is, and she shows up with who she really is on Saturday, she wins. And that's just what I think. Um, the thing that I am a little bit concerned about Wormhart is that she's been traveling a lot and she went from york to longchamp to santa anita then out to hong kong and now she's coming back to the states to Gulfstream to run again it is it is a lot it takes its toll but again if Wormheart is anywhere near her best on saturday i think she wins i don't i wouldn't say going away but she's definitely going to be a clear and decisive winner on saturday if She's at her best. But, guys, the Pegasus World Cup, the three, $3 million going a mile and an eighth, and may not be the strongest iteration we've seen of the Pegasus World Cup, but it definitely is a very, very competitive race. Charlie, I'll let you touch on it first here. Who would you oh, like in the Pegasus World Cup? You know, I was flipping back and forth between two horses that actually won me a bunch of money together. and Maybe you guys are starting to notice a trend with my picks, but I'm truly trying to just – 
without letting too much bias and go with how I see it. You know, I originally had O'Connor on top, which I know for the, you know, for the jokes of this podcast and for boss man would have been great, but you know, HHH racing podcast, but it rubs me the wrong way that Tyler Gaffley owns not a board. So I decided to put O'Connor second. Now I'll tell you who I put first, the horse that broke my heart, that should have gotten the job done. That got robbed. That got cheated. Grand Aspen is getting the job done. I'm, I'm sticking with my why, why did I know Grand that Aspen, was happening? No, Grand Aspen is an ultra-talented horse. Jose Ortiz was able to get the absolute most out of this horse and was honestly right there. But since the horse was pressing right behind New York traffic, who also ran an incredible race uh, in that horse's own right, uh, was right there last time. I th- think the horse took very well to the service and took very well to Gulfstream. I like that the horse is going right back to where it excelled. You know, it's funny. We talked about this earlier where you were talking about uh, the other Chad Brown. This was the other Pletron that day. Everybody, and admittedly, I thought the horse was interesting as well, was all over gasoline. And this horse was, for a Pletron to be 10 to 1 in a grade 3 was uh, at Gulfstream, was pretty dead on the board and proved everyone wrong. And I'm going to trust the horse to prove him wrong again. You know, I'm a little surprised the horse was actually as short as 8 to 1 on the morning line. I don't know if I'll get that. I might get better, might get worse, but I'm going to trust that horse. And then, of course, in third, I still have to hedge and put National Treasure. I'm just, I'm not picking a Baffert, and I'm not rooting for a Baffert to win the race. I'm so happy Cody's wish was able to beat that that cheater. I, I can't put the horse on top. I refuse, and I'm not going chalk either. Yeah, well, that's. Oh, yeah. I hate nuts. I never want to have a bone to pick. I have a bone to pick with that horse, too. The, the horse is, uh, whatever. I'm done. A lot of bones. You're done. Yeah, there's a lot of bones in here. That's all I know. <laughs> Noah, you're up next, my friend. Who would you like in the Pegasus World Cup? Um, all right. So I am a, I'm a big believer in, you can call it yin yang, you can call it whatever you want. Um, but, uh, I believe that there's a horse in this field that came over to do the same thing and came over for a reason. And now they're going to, they just got to wait a year and now they're ready for it. And I think that's O'Connor. I think O'Connor's getting right, getting good at the right time. Um, Oh, I I thought he I thought he had more of a, a troubled trip in the Harlan's holiday than than it says on paper. Um, I I just think he's kind of getting primed, and there's really not anybody in this field that I'm super I would be super scared of. Um, in second, I've got first mission. This is probably the the more obvious. Um, I, I I was a little surprised that first mission was seven to two on the morning line. Um, I would think. Five to two, maybe two to one at post time. Um, and then in third, um, screw the West Coast. I, yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. I would love to, but I can't. Um, in third, I've actually got I've got dynamic one. Um, mm. And my my theory here is uh, Pletcher did the same thing with a horse that ran a dud. And then he stuck with a plan and, and ran the horse into grade one. And that horse's name was Fierceness. And that horse ran a, a hole in the wind. Um, so I think even though the horse ran a dud last time at three to two, I think Pletcher's got a plan. And like I said, this this rendition is really not the strongest. So I, I, wherever, whichever way you go, you're really not, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna get your money's worth and and it should be a fun race. It should absolutely be a fun race, guys. And I know look. I've taken, I've, I've gotten cute with a lot of, with some of these races today. I've gotten, you know, like I said, I finally had horse double digits on top and stuff like that. I'm not getting cute in this race, guys. I think first mission really is the goods. And the first mission is going to win with a very nice trip, uh, stalking off the pace in the Pegasus World Cup. I just really think, look, this horse waited till four, um, or, um, what I think he waited till four, right? I'm not, maybe, all right, scratch that. Either way, 
Brad Cox has been very precocious with this horse, putting him into spots where he thinks he's really going to excel. Won the Lexington in, if you guys remember that day, that was, I, I'm not going to say unbelievable fashion. The horse looked completely done on the turn and then rallied back to be at the win by half length. That was the eye-opening race. Comes back at Keeneland after a, a long break, still gets it done over command performance. And the last time in the Clark looked like he was done again on the turn and still continued to fight his way to the line with Trademark, who's also in this race, who's also not impossible. I just think First Martian is really, really the goods. And if he gets any sort of trip set up with the continued improvement that this horse has shown, I think First Mission gets it done in the Pegasus World Cup. Underneath, guys, again, like I said, I don't think Trademark's impossible by any means. And 15 to 1 is definitely a price I'd be looking at. Um, I don't like National Treasure, guys. And I know there's a lot of love for National. There's some love in National Treasure in the chat. And that last race is what people are keying on. Any other race in the, in his resume is not good enough to be in, to be with these ra- with these horses. And that's just honestly the way it is. Um, if he continues to improve off that Breeders' Cup race, he could win. But, I mean, this horse, I don't think this horse wants a mile and an eighth. I don't think so. I think he's. I think that mile suited him really well last time, and I understand he won the Preakness, but that was not the best Preakness rendition of the Preakness by any means. Got a very easy lead out there. I don't think he gets an easy lead here. And if I had a choice between National Treasure at two to one or First Mission at three to one, there's one that there's one horse that I'm going to be very interested, in, and it's not National Treasure, but. I'm very interested in first mission on top. Grand Espen's not in, not impossible, guys. As you touched, Dynamic One's honestly the wild card in this race. He's ran once since 2022. If Todd Pletcher has him cranked, which I read jumps aboard Dynamic One as well, which is also something very interesting to take into account. He's working lights out at Palm at uh at uh oh my god, why am I drawing a blink? Uh, Palm Beach, right? Am I? Why am I drawing? Yeah, a no, you're right. Palm Beach. Or, yeah. um, Palm oh, Beach Downs. Yeah. yeah, I could not believe I'm drawing a blank. Either way, Dynamic One at 15 to one is not one to. And O'Connor, obviously, I will have in the mix as well. If you guys want my full picks on um, Pegasus World Cup Day, follow me on Twitter. Also follow Noah and Charlie on Twitter as well. We'll be giving out our full picks for Pegasus World Cup Day. Of course, day of but guys that is going to wrap up our our talk for Goldstream on saturday again tune in tomorrow if you guys want the full breakdown of the late pick five from the guys pick picks and ponies and tune in saturday to our live show and come watch the races with us it is going to be an absolutely fun weekend at Goldstream. and um like i said we're gonna and tomorrow night of course i forgot to mention tomorrow night we have an eclipse awards after party um, there's going to be some beer flowing, of course. So come join us to talk about the Eclipse Awards and who won, who lost, and our takeaways from it. A lot of us will be there. But let's um, let's get into football, guys. So, again, that will end our horse racing segment. Thank you guys so much for all the great viewership tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I hope you guys really enjoyed it. If you guys did, please smash that like button. We would greatly appreciate it, and that's the best way we know that you guys enjoy the content. So, again, smash, smash, smash that like button but guys we'll talk about the two the two championship games here we'll go only go five minutes if you guys want to please stay on if you guys are interested in football at all please put your picks in the live chat for this for the two games but the first game guys is going to be as i pull up um 
I'll pull it up right now as we move over and I'll switch the background as well as we get moving here. Um, I'll try, I'm trying to pull it up. Everything's being really slow. The conference championships, guys. The first game on Sunday is Kansas City, Baltimore. And stop me if I've heard this before, that people didn't think that the Chiefs would get here. And lo and behold, here comes Patrick Mahomes in the championship facing off a very, very good Baltimore side. Charlie, I'll let you talk about the AFC first, and Noah, I'll let you touch on the NFC first, and then we'll um, give our picks for the uh, games. But I'm pulling up the spreads right now, Charlie. Um, what's your kind of Give us a breakdown on Kansas City, Baltimore, and how you see it going. Yeah, so look, I understand. I'll, I'll take the hate. I have no issue taking the heat. I mean, look, Tyler Bass choked, but the reality is I didn't like – I tweeted about this. I didn't like the way the Bills approached the end of the game. They played like they were trying to be conservative and not lose, and, you know, you end up letting the Chiefs get away with it because you can't trust kickers, especially in that weather. Look, I, I know I've doubted Kansas City. I said they could lose in round one potentially, and then Dolphins shows not to run, run the football. I said they lose to the Bills, and I understand that I keep paying it against them, but truly I don't care who would have gotten to this spot, whether – it was the Bills, whether it was, you know, the, the Chiefs as it is or anyone else. The Ravens are by far the most complete team in the NFL, period, let alone the AFC. I truly think they're the team to beat. The reality is this. They have a top five defense in the league. They're, they really don't have a weak spot in their defense. They're built everywhere. They have great linebackers. Shout out Bears legend Roquan Smith. They have a great secondary, very solid D-line. You know, they really don't. They got Patrick Queen in that linebacking core as well. They really don't have any weaknesses on defense. That offense, that offensive line has been solid. I know the receiving core isn't, you know, the best, but look, they have a lot of speed in Zay Flowers. They have a lot of guys that can really work well with Lamar Jackson, who's the most dynamic player in the league. He's going to win MVP. They're an unstoppable force. They're, they're a really well-coached team as well. John Harbaugh, arguably the best coach in the NFL right now. I just think there's way too many things good about Baltimore and too many question marks about the Chiefs. I understand that they always find a way to navigate through all this stuff. But people forget, at the end of the day, that's who Buffalo's been all year. They have been an inconsistent team that happened to get hot late that kind of, you know, we even saw it in, the, in that Dolphins game where they should have been able to run away with it. But because they kept shooting themselves in the foot, the Dolphins almost won in that regular season showdown. The Bills have a tendency to do that, where they just can't play consistent for a full game and get away with it. Whereas Baltimore, we've seen, they're kind of the opposite of the Dolphins and the Cowboys. When they play the top teams, like when they played the Dolphins and when they played the the, the uh, 49ers, they don't just stand up. Just, they beat the crap out of you and let you know and stand over your dead body and say, yeah, we just beat you by 30 and we'll do it again whenever you want to do it. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Um, I know we'll talk about picks later, but I think people can kind of tell who I would lean with. Uh, so I won't give the spread pick yet, but I will say well, I haven't looked at the total, but I would take the over no. here as well. You're all in. So go for it. I see the Ravens minus three and a half right now. The hook towards the Kansas City Chiefs. I, but... I would take them. I would take the Ravens, honestly, at anything at like five and a half and below. I feel comfortable taking the Ravens for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree uh, with that comment as well. I think this is a very I think most games would be ideal for the Ravens matchup wise. But I think the Chiefs honestly aren't any sort of matchup nightmare. I think the only one that is is the 49ers. But I was wrong about that because they killed them. Well, that's true, too. Noah, Ravens minus three and a half. Who are you taking? Oh, I thought I was in the NFC game. Well, you will, but give your give your. Oh, pick. Um, yeah, you gotta, you, you, Charlie, yeah. Your feet are held to the fire, bro. You're not getting out of this one. Well, it looks like you're pretty close to the fire too back there. <laughs> All right, touche. I'll give you that one. That was good. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably go Baltimore. I just, I think they're the better team. I'm, I'm kind of sick of all this Taylor Swift shit. So just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised That's that came out. I'm, I knew that was coming out of someone. I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised that took that long to come out, but I'm also going to lean Ravens guys. The Ravens just find great ways to win. They have so many weapons. Lamar's playing at his best again. 
it'd just be would it would it, from a Chiefs team. Granted, the Chiefs are always ones to hang around, but I would be very surprised if the Chiefs were able to hang hang within four points of this Baltimore team. I'll go Ravens minus three and a half as well. Noah, I'll go to you next. Obviously, you're gonna. Uh, I'll let you talk about the NFC Championship game. That's the Detroit Lions versus the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, 49ers are minus seven, guys. There's not a whole. I mean, I know the 49ers are very good, but they're hurt. And there's not a whole lot of respect going to Detroit side, but Noah, um, give us a quick breakdown on where you kind of stand on this one. Well, I, I didn't even know that that was seven. That's that's pretty shocking to me. Um, in terms of winning the game outright, I, I, as much as I would like to see the Lions in that that awesome culture with Dan Campbell, um, I just think the Niners are a better team overall. If you know, if, if the line's going to be seven and continue to be seven, I don't know if I would really touch that game personally. Um, I'm not a really big sports better in general. So, I mean, I'm not really going to bet anything unless, unless it's something I really like. Uh, and, and this time of year when you got, you know, the, the championship games and the Super Bowl, it's, I'm more of a, you know, watch and enjoy rather than try and get technical and, and bet a team. I know Charlie will. I mean, the biggest, the biggest bets I've placed the last three years on the Super Bowl have been the coin toss. So, um, and I'm three for three, might I add. I'm three for three. So, you know, take, hate all you want, Charlie, but the facts don't lie. Um, I, Charlie, I'll let you give your pick next. Um, I have a hard time with this game, personally. I mean, look, one thing I'll say is if you're as good at the coin toss as you claim you are, we might have to throw that in as a special power picks edition. Just throwing your insight out. You should give like a whole, whole in-depth explanation on uh, your analysis for why you know what the coin toss will be. But yeah, no, this game, I'll be honest. I would be all over the first game again. I, I don't know what the total was at for the first game. If you could find that one point out. It's 34 and a half. 44. No way. Oh, 40. Yeah. So I would take the over in that first game. Uh, that's the game I feel strong about. The AFC Championship game, I would absolutely be playing Baltimore in the over. I would even consider playing Baltimore on an alternate spread and raise it up a few points. Uh, but no, this game is going to be brutal. I, I would not touch it. I, uh, the total is continuing to rise, and it will continue. I saw it was juiced last time I checked toward the over, so I wouldn't touch the total. And this minus seven is just so difficult for me, as Noah kind of touched on. It's a weird number for me to really read into. Because for me, it feels a little high, but I also feel like if the Niners kind of can play into form and not struggle like they did against the Packers, then they could absolutely blow out this Lions team that has a lot of problems on defense. But I also know this is a banged up 49ers team. And, you know, it kind of feels like the Lions are the team of destiny. So maybe they do, you know, shock the world and get it done. This is one where I agree with Noah. I would more so be like, if I had to play this, I'd play the 49ers money line and some sort of parlay with maybe, you know, the Ravens spread and the over or something so I could get more value. But I wouldn't touch this game. I mean, the 49ers are the What What do you think? Um, did you see anything on Debo? Because obviously Debo got injured last week too. Did you see anything on Debo? Yeah, I mean, I'll look. I can look up to see if I, I'm looking at it. Stuff, but, but I mean, when I last see. checked, I mean, they said he's certainly banged up. I mean, I know based oh, off of like kind of who he is that it would stun me if he didn't play. Um, I mean, I saw it saying that he's been out of practice, and I know he's been battling a shoulder injury. I I, I would be stunned if he didn't play though. Like judging by who Debo is and how he's kind of yeah. approached his career. I'd assume they just, for precautionary reasons, rest him as much as possible anyway, even if he could practice, because there's no reason to risk him getting hurt. I think there's no way he doesn't suit up. Now, could he fully play the entire game? Who knows? He could re-aggravate it. He could take a big hit, especially because he's a receiver. He could catch a pass and just get nailed and fall on that shoulder and then be done for the game. Uh, but I don't see a world where he doesn't go out and try to play. I think the other question is, can the Lions rattle Brock Purdy and try to get to him like they were able to do at times to Baker, who literally looked invincible against the Eagles in the game before? And if they do that, that's what I think could be the game changer in this game, is if they can rattle Brock Purdy, anything could happen. Yeah, and I 
I just think the 49ers are kind of injury ridden. And Tom Espinoza, um, a, a great viewer of ours who's from the San Francisco area, says Debo injuries is a big deal. Hopefully last week's Green Bay slap in the face woke them up. Seven is too much for me. 49ers win, but not super confident they'll have to pick it up on the pass rush side, which they definitely will. And if they can get to Jared Goff, I mean, that is where this game is going to be won. If Jared Goff cannot get into a rhythm and get going, I mean, 49 if the 49ers offense is way too good to have um if the lines don't want to get in the rhythm early they're going to get they're going to get uh destroyed i think seven is a lot of points though guys especially if uh debo doesn't end up playing if the soldier shoulder injury is just way too bad i think i would i'd be i'd be taking the seven points personally i'd go favorite in the afc and i take the plus seven 49ers probably win but i'd say maybe about like four you know maybe it's some game like 27 23 or something along those lines, I think is definitely, um, which funny enough, the over under is 50 and a half for this game. So funny enough, I just said that, but um, something like that, I could see happening in a game like this, where um, the lions are going to be so determined to win a game. To just be in a game like this is massive for this franchise. They have nothing to lose. They're going to go out and just absolutely play balls to the walls football. So I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco wins, but it, it is a close game. So I'd be more in, the um i'd be more interested in the plus seven on detroit's side and penn state scott like he says brings up um detroit needs to get up first i agree with that but guys that is going to wrap up our show episode number 58 of bet and and covering the pegasus world cup middle pick four and then a little bit on the nfl championship round as we touch on every time at the end of the show but like i said guys thank you guys so much for joining in we're just so appreciative of the viewership that you guys give and all the likes so again if you guys are watching this and you guys enjoy the content that you're seeing please hit the like button that is how we know that you guys are enjoying it and we re- and it's the best way to help us out also subscribe please subscribe to hhh racing podcast youtube channel we have a lot of great content as not only is this Pegasus World Cup weekend, but in a few weeks, we're going to start that road to the Kentucky Derby Trail, and that's when this content really ramps up. So please hit that subscribe button. But for my co-hosts, Noah Maher and Charlie Freeman, this has been your host, Kyle Roscoe, in episode number 58 of Betting and Boozing on the HHH Racing Podcast. And until next time, crush your bets, win those photos, and stay safe, everybody. See you in the next episode. Have a great night.